Hello, this is Pastor John. I am recording this sermon message from home because the Sunday worship service on January 14th was canceled due to the extreme cold that we are experiencing in Nebraska. Since we didn't have a public reading of the sermon text, I am going to read now the sermon or the epistle reading for the second Sunday after the Epiphany in this introduction prior to the sermon. A reading from 1 Corinthians 6, verses 12 through 20. Paul writes, All things are lawful for me, but not all things are helpful. All things are lawful for me, but I will not be dominated by anything. Food is meant for the stomach, and the stomach for food. And God will destroy both one and the other. The body is not meant for sexual immorality, but for the Lord, and the Lord for the body. And God raised the Lord, and will also raise us up by His power. Do you not know that your bodies are members of Christ? Shall I then take the members of Christ and make them members of a prostitute? Never! Or do you not know that he who is joined to a prostitute becomes one body with her? For as it is written, the two will become one flesh. But he who is joined to the Lord becomes one spirit with him. Flee from sexual immorality. Every other sin a person commits is outside the body. But the sexually immoral person sins against his own body. Or do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit within you, whom you have from God? You are not your own, for you were bought with a price. So glorify God in your body. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Grace be unto you, and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. The body's immune system can be inoculated against viral attacks. In medical immunization, weakened forms of viruses are injected into the body, and the body then reacts to this injection through what's called cell adaptation, protecting the body from future attacks from stronger versions of that virus. Now, this lesson from biology provides a a useful metaphor for our meditation on our text for today. Christians are engaged in an intellectual battle with those who subscribe to bad ideas, which undergird much of modern society. You can think of these bad ideas, thanks to our metaphor, as thought viruses. These thought viruses battle for our hearts and minds and for the hearts and minds of the next generation. Now, the impact on the latter group is troubling. Take this statistic from a recent Breakpoint article from the Colson Center. Quote, many Christian parents worry about how best to pass faith on to their children. Tragically, statistics suggest they are right to worry. 
In 2020, the Cultural Research Center at Arizona Christian University found that just 2% of millennials, a generation now well into adulthood, have a biblical worldview. That is the lowest of any generation since surveys on the topic began. According to a LifeWay research report, two-thirds of those who attend church as teenagers will drop out of church as adults. End quote. There is much at stake here. Our congregations in the Sand Hills Lutheran ministry, for example, expend considerable amount of time, energy, and prayer in equipping the next generation through our children and youth ministries. And this begs the question, are we equipping them and encouraging them so that they can respond to others and inoculate them against culture's thought viruses? Are we providing opportunities so that new Christians, both new Christians um, among the youth and, and of adult age, can become spiritually mature Christians who will lead our congregations in the future? By spiritually mature Christian, I mean an individual who is grounded in God's word and who not only knows and speaks the truth, the biblical truth, but also lives the truth. This sermon will be more of a teaching instrument to equip you to respond to others and inoculate yourselves against thought viruses. And here, here's the main goal. Uh, to give you and, and your children, grandchildren, or Bible school students, or others, the framework or a pattern of responding to bad ideas thoughtfully and confidently. Paul gives us the following framework from today's text, from his first letter to the Corinthians. First, know the biblical truth, and secondly, Teach yourself and others to engage with the counter-arguments. It is especially this second part of the framework that helps bring about the spiritual inoculation. So let's try this with today's text. The biblical truth comes from the conclusion of today's text from 1 Corinthians six twelve through 20 You are not your own, for you were bought with a price. So glorify God in your body. Paul gives us a wise place to start as we consider these things. God has united himself to us in the incarnation of Christ. That makes us, including our bodies, sacred. Jesus did not redeem just our soul, but he shed red, sticky blood and broke his physical body on a cross to redeem you including your body. You are important to him. There were very few things against the law in the ancient Roman world. Corinth was particularly known as a place where everything was for sale, including people and their bodies. Paul enjoined them and us to living in a wisdom rooted in God's incarnate love for the whole person. I was told the story that the verses we have before us were spoken by a father to his 16-year-old son one evening. 
As we've already heard, this text is pretty direct about some sensitive matters. That 16-year-old, now a grown man, relates the story. I was in my bedroom, which was located in the basement of our house. I heard my father come home about 9.30. He called to me from the top of the stairs. Hey, son, come here. What is it, Dad? I answered, standing at the bottom of the stairs. And then he gave me the message of 1 Corinthians 6 in essence. Did you know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit? God himself dwells in you. He wants you to remain pure in body. Wait for marriage. I was too stunned to respond with anything more than a weak, Okay. Hmm, I thought. He must have been at a church meeting. But those were just the words that I needed to hear that night, and at that age, I have been thankful for his voice of truth all these years. This is a great example of sharing the biblical truth with others. This is a good first step. As awkward as this might be, I would just take this a bit further. I would get to the what I'm calling the spiritual inoculation step. This step involves bringing up the counter ideas that one will encounter. We don't live in a vacuum. In fact, the cultural counter arguments, um, that is the thought viruses, are in the very air that we breathe, you could say. We can't avoid them. So don't avoid them. And Paul doesn't avoid the thought viruses of his time. Paul names and then deals with two bad ideas that we are still wrestling with today. Paul gives us a master class in spiritual inoculation. He takes the thought viruses seriously and then responds to them. The first bad idea, the first thought virus, is seen in these verses, especially in verses uh, 12 through 14. Sin is not real. It appears that some in the Corinthian church were arguing that sin was not real. The gospel has nullified the law, so there is no sin anymore. Paul, interestingly, says that there is a measure of truth here. Yes, all things are lawful, but not everything is good for you and me. The rules no longer condemn me, but he goes on to assert that the rules do still help you and me, and breaking those rules uh, is, is never good for you and me. Sexual immorality is a fast track to a miserable life. And notice the resurrection connection that Paul makes in all of this. Your bodies are not your own. You will be raised again. What you do with them now is important, and what you will become is glorious. You are a temple of the Holy Spirit. God is invested in you. He wants to help you, and by His Spirit, He does help you. I have often likened the Spirit to an extension cord. Yeah, it's an analogy. A cord does not make the electricity, but it conveys it to the point of us. 
The Spirit does not make the forgiveness and righteousness of God for us. That is Jesus' job. But the Holy Spirit conveys the saving work of Jesus to us in word and sacrament. Baptism and the Lord's Supper. That is the Holy Spirit's job, and he is your helper in this. The second bad idea or thought virus brought up in these verses, this physical life does not really matter. Essentially, the Corinthian Christians were being told that the body is not that important, and they could do whatever they wanted with it. After all, the world around them said that the body is only a shell for the soul or spirit, and soon the body would be unnecessary. When death would come, the body would be gone, and the soul would live on in heaven. Since the real person is, quote-unquote, found in the soul or spirit and not the body, it didn't matter what you did with your body. So while you have your body in this life, it's yours, and you can do what you want with it. The Corinthians were told the lie that it was okay to indulge their bodies with the sensual pleasure of their choice, gluttony, drunkenness, sexual immorality, whatever pleasure they wanted. They believed the lie that while a body was satisfying its desires, the soul was untouched and could still be in an acceptable fellowship with the Lord. Paul wanted the Corinthians to understand that the body did matter, and that these kinds of sins had a serious harmful effect on their bodies, on marriage, and on their relationship with others, and with the Lord. Paul had his work cut out for him because these Christians were living in a society that had legalized prostitution and considered it an acceptable practice. Again, Paul gives us a master class in spiritual inoculation. He does this in the conversation by putting a spin on one of the Corinthians' slogans. He takes the counter-argument, uh, this thought virus, this physical life does not really matter, and then he uses it, responds to it for spiritual inoculation. He says, verse 13, the body is for the Lord, and the Lord for the body. He directs them and us to the right use of the body, not for sinful indulgence, but for the Lord. He raises the value of the body by declaring the Lord is for the body. Indeed, Jesus had a body, conceived and born of Mary. He offered his body for you that you might have new life. He let his body be nailed to the cross to pay for your sins and my sins. His body was given into death for your salvation. Paul declares the truth that as God raised Jesus' body from the dead, he will raise our bodies as well. How precious are our bodies in God's sight! They certainly are not discarded after death. Remember the earlier example that I gave of the father having the talk with his son? I think that we can take this illustration and run with it a little further by adding the important piece, that important piece of inoculation. Uh, 
against the bad ideas or the thought viruses by responding to the counter ideas before they hear it in a pressure-filled situation. Later in the morning, the father says, Remember about what I said last night about your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit? God dwells in you. He wants you to remain pure in body. Wait for marriage. The son nods that, yes, he understood. Now, son, I didn't mean to embarrass you, but it's the truth. And there is something else that I want to share with you. Many people, and probably Many of your friends believe that they own their bodies and are free to use them as they please. You're going to hear things that sound like this. Hey, it's okay as long as it's between two consenting adults. And it's not healthy to deny your natural appetites. But then I have a question for you. Is this... God's will for us? The son says, no. And the father says, yes, I, I agree with you because this cheapens the sacred God-given bonds of marriage. And the conversation could go on or not. <laughs> it depends. Does this sound like something that you would consider adding to your passing your faith on to the next person toolkit. I know that it could become an awkward conversation, but it is an important one. It is important to engage those we teach and love with the bad ideas, those thought viruses, in advance because they are going to hear them. They may even surprise you and repeat the culture's current slogan and ask you what you think about that idea. And this is a time to ask a question. What does God, what does God's word say about this? Or would that be God's will for you, for us? And be aware, the Holy Spirit is there to give you the words and help you to do this, to have those conversations in an appropriate way. That's his job. And prepare them in advance with the aid of the Holy Spirit for what is out there and build up their spiritual immunization. Paul tells us the amazing truth that our bodies are temples of the Holy Spirit. God dwells within us. Do we own our bodies? Oh my, that is the biggest, most seductive bad idea on the block one might argue, the most dangerous thought virus out there, isn't it? Think about the damage that idea has had on individuals and whole societies. Paul contradicts this lie so that many still believe today, you are not your own, for you were bought with a price. Like everything in life, including our bodies, we are not the owners. God is. So glorify him in your body. Amen. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.